Welcome to episode 51 of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. This week with Danielle Hargenreiter from DiabetesDominator.com. We just wrapped up this conversation with Danielle, and we could have chatted with her for four hours. Easily. Easy. Yeah. And so we tried to pack as much value as we could into about 45 minutes. And I feel confident she should be back on the show, and like we said, we'd love to have her in person. So maybe we can fly her to Oklahoma. And this is a long-time contact that Amber uh, came in touch with, I would say, what, like two years ago? Yeah, I think so. Or so? Mm-hmm. At the Master Lab mm-hmm. conference? Mm-hmm. Where was that? Like we, Arizona or something? Uh, no, that was in Florida. Okay, this was in Florida. Mm-hmm. Orlando, cool. Florida. So, And we kind of tap into that here at the beginning of the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you the, the complete lowdown on Danielle's bio here at the end. But just the, the quick gist is that she has the complete package mm-hmm. in regards to her coaching. Mm-hmm. I mean, she has a, a background in physical fitness. She's a certified personal trainer. Uh, she has her bachelor's degree in nutritional science, so she's got that component. She has type one, um, and she is into psychology. And everything that she does yeah. is fueled out of passion, mm-hmm. not out of for, you know forcing herself to do something. So you can definitely hear that in her voice. No doubt, she's been through it. You know, mm-hmm. she's got her own story to share. Her life hasn't been perfect, and I think that creates the value in her as a trainer. And her so. br- brutally, brutally honest uh, way that she expresses herself is just really speaks to speaks to us but so. it's uplifting it is it, yeah mm-hmm. it's, it's a very powerfully uplifting mm-hmm. narrative that she she sells woo woo so. we got some woo woo in there too there's a little woo woo that's <laughs> fine well needs a little bit more woo woo but before we get into all the woo woo do we want to do announcements or do we want to yeah we're going to throw out just a few announcements you know what we're going to say you know lo- I don't <laughs> <laughs> you should be able to you should be able to say this along with us at this point if you've listened to all the episodes so we start out with we appreciate all the social media likes loves and shares and so just keep them coming or you know share it with a buddy who maybe needs a little diabetes love mm-hmm. or if you ever question one of the things we post on Instagram or Twitter <laughs> and you're like I don't know if that's even it's true. questionable it's hit questionable. us up we'll, we'll prove it yeah we love to start conversations on social media um yeah, and, and also, uh, the Amazon banner ad oh, um, is located in the same place it has been <laughs> for the past Just four years. Just click it and order. <laughs> click it and order. Click it and order. And if it's on your cell phone and you're like, I don't see this banner ad, and every time I click the banner ad, it takes me to my Amazon app on my phone, know that the purchases still go uh, towards the proceeds. Yeah. Um, even if it directs you to the app, it still counts. Um, and you can find the banner on your phone if you're scrolling on diabetesdaily.com. It'll be at the bottom. Oh, I didn't know page. that. Hmm. Yeah, not on the right side. If you're on your mobile phone. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, what else do we have? Right, because of the holidays, yeah. Like, yeah, holidays. Yeah, holiday Throw time. a little change our way. It didn't cost you a cent extra. Um, yeah, and speaking of that, if you have a little change you want to throw our way, we're not a nonprofit, but um, every little bit helps keep the podcast coming. It does. Simple and short. Simple. PayPal link in the show notes, mm-hmm. along with all of today's links that Danielle brings up. Mm-hmm. Um We'll yeah. be, yep. She's got some cool things going on. I feel like there was a fourth announcement. Um, it's been a while since we've recorded one, so we're off. Off our game. Any personal announcements? Mm. Mm. My, um, I can barely breathe. <laughs> 
other than that, I'm good. <laughs> right before we we uh, we did this show, Amber was like, "Is there any way that you particularly blow out like the candles in your house?" And I was like, "No." And I just walked up and blew it out. And she's like, "Because I didn't want the smoke to just yeah, go right smoke my came face. right." I mean, like I, my asthma is killing me, but I'm surviving. We're good. Still smoking. Still a little smoky. Hope you're happy. All right. All let's right. Get let's to Danielle's bio. Let's do this. All right. Danielle Hargenreiter, founder of Diabetes Dominator Coaching, is a best-selling author, nutritionist, certified health coach, and personal trainer, and international keynote speaker. She guides people to think, eat, and move intuitively in order to achieve a quality of health and life they previously thought unattainable through her repeatedly proven six pillars of total health system of cultivating the practices and powers of self-love, choice, and community. Hmm. Her website is diabetesdominator.com. It's simple. You can also find her on Facebook. Diabetes Dominator. Yeah. Yep. She's present. She's always active. Uh, she responds to people all the time. So she'd love to hear from you. And with that, let's get to the interview with Danielle. Hello. Hello. Danielle. Okay, I can hear. I can hear something. Finally connected. We're here. Cool. Thanks for the patience, Danielle. Thanks yeah. for coming on the show. Yeah. Too. No problem. Happy to do it. Thank you for having me. Well, so Ryan and I were chatting the other day. Well, we've, I mean, of course, I, as soon as I came home from meeting you and just like, and with everybody in the diabetes online community, everybody kind of walks in with open arms. And so Danielle, I just wanted to share with our listeners kind of how we met and, um, and kind of go from there. Sounds good. I mean, are we, um, are we, mentioning the whole incident and everything oh yeah like okay. <laughs> i was trying to tell somebody about that today he's like you're going to talk about that on your podcast i was like well we kind of bonded you know i mean it really was it was pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> so what was it i can't remember the name of the conference um master lab yeah master lab that's it but we it was a part of something bigger the children yeah friends for life friends, yeah, for, friends life. for life and so I was, I was so new to all that. So that's why it's kind of foreign territory for me, but yeah, we had like a group Facebook page for a couple of us and Oh, everybody from master lab. And I don't know if you put something or I put something about wanting to go hang out at the pool. Yeah. It was me, I think. Cause I was ready. I said, I just <laughs> got there and I was ready to go to the pool and I was like, well, now would be a great time to find someone to hang out with. Cause that's what I like to do at conferences anyway, especially hang out with people that I never really met before. And, uh, Amber responded to the call and, uh, <laughs> I was ready to lay out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, we met down at the coffee shop and cruised on over to what we thought was the adult pool. It was. And when you look at this resort, I mean, you can see it's like a, a kid's water park. And so there, just off to the side where there was a really small, just laid back pool. So we had the opportunity to kind of get to know each other. And I think I got up to get a glass of wine or do something. And did you text me or did I um, come back and the pool had already shut down? No, I think basically you came back and I was out of the pool and because uh, I, I had been in the pool, um, scarily enough. And, uh, <laughs> and I came out and I said, I said, we have to leave. And you were like, why do we have to leave? And I said, because somebody pooped in the pool. Nice. And um, this is, was a very shocking thing because when you're at Disney, you kind of you're thinking, OK, I'm at the kids' pool. Okay, maybe something like that. But even in the kids' pool, you think parents are going to be extra careful to make yeah. sure that they take precautions. But no, there were no kids allowed at this pool. No kids so, allowed. Yeah. I just don't. I just, that was that was an interesting an interesting bonding experience. That's exactly what I was thinking. The great poop yeah. connection. Poop yeah. connection. Totally. Poop brings people totally. together. You know, Always. and I gotta say too, Danielle, I think you were the first person I had met in person. 
that had the pod. Oh, wow. That's exciting. I know. I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pod convert. I mean, after, I mean, now I'm in my 27th year with type one, but, um, I was totally against pumping for myself. I just, I had tried a tubed pump probably when I was like 16 years old. So we're talking, you know, you know, I was diagnosed when I was nine. So I don't know how many, seven years after it. And I ended up wrapped up in the tube one night after I was sleeping. I was just like, no way. And then I just never thought about a pump ever again. I was like, I'm good. I have manual injections down. I'm, I'm totally fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but then I had tried the Dexcom and I loved it so much that I was like, well, um, you know, and at this point, I'm, I'm much more of an experiential liver as an adult as I want than I was as a teenager. Right. And uh, I said, you know what, I'll just try it. And I said, if I hate it, I'll just go back to injections. And right. I never went back. That was like five years ago. And I love it. So well, good for so, you. Yeah. I'm a yeah. <laughs> well, and going back to you, you, you uh, were saying that you were diagnosed at age nine. Uh, we always ask our guests if they have the disease. So t- tell us a little bit about your diagnosis story. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was, I think, fairly, you know, run of the mill, even though after interviewing many people myself, I find that there's really not run of the mill. There are a lot of really strange things happen to people with diagnosis. But as far as my, when it was, you know, um, lost, you know, maybe 20 pounds over the course of the summer. And my parents kind of equated it because I was really active and swimming. We had a, uh, like a, you know, five foot above ground pool in our backyard. So I was always running around in there and, and, um, just got, you know, super thirsty and had started wetting the bed again, which was very strange because I had stopped many years before that. It was not something that I had done. And then, um, I went, I ended up, it was my, I guess my ninth birthday was August 24th. And then school started up again, you know, about a week later. And then, you know, in the first week of school, a couple weeks of school, I kept telling my teacher, I have this, such a bad stomach ache. And I, she sent me to the nurse one day, my parents picked me up and then I went back to school the next day feeling okay. And the next day, midday, I just had the same, like really bad stomach ache. And my, or the nurse called my parents again, which was really strange because I really wasn't, you know, sick regularly as a kid or anything like that. So two days in a row, my mom had taken me directly to the pediatrician because she said, this is very abnormal. And he just tested my blood sugar in the office. The, you know, the machine mm-hmm. in the office said, hi, um, you know, which means it, it was it, above 400. Yeah. So whatever it was. And then he was just like, you definitely have type one diabetes and I'm sending you over to the hospital, with like immediate admittance requirements or whatever they call it. And they sent me over to the hospital and I spent seven days in the hospital and super grateful that my mom basically slept on a cot next to my bed every <laughs> single night for seven days straight while my dad, you know, did his best to, my parents co-owned a pl- plumbing business and he just tried to keep the business running while trying to figure out, okay, you know, my daughter has this thing that nobody knows anything about, no family history, no, no knowledge of it whatsoever. And, um, and the, the doctors were very cold. I mean, I don't really know their way to describe it. Uh, we were given, you know, pamphlets that showed, you know, diabetic retinopathy and mm. kidney failure uh, and amputations and all this stuff that I'm just like, okay, uh, <laughs> at nine years old, that doesn't really make much sense, but I'm sure it scared the crap out of my parents. Oh, and, yeah. um, and that kind of, you know, shaped my shaped my idea of what diabetes was. And and that's why I kind of really try to teach now when I talk to people, because I talk to a lot of doctors and a lot of healthcare practitioners, and I interact with them regularly. And I say, you know, the words you use when you're telling someone something from an authoritative position, make all the difference. It makes a huge difference in whether you say, expect to have your toes amputated, Mm -hmm. or you say, you're definitely going to have to take a lot 
closer care of yourself than you thought you might throughout your life. Mm -hmm. But if you do, you can live whatever life you want. That, that makes all the difference. And I've not only for myself, but I've heard it from so many people. So I really try to like drive that home. Um, but for me, you know, that was, it, it worked as, as far as it went because my parents were very supportive and they always had the attitude of whatever happens in life, we'll figure it out. They were always just very laid back and, mm -hmm. and confident people. So for the next few years, it, it worked as far as, you know, taking regular and NPH insulin and, you know, <laughs> wiping blood off of glucose meters and comparing test strips up to the side of a vial because oh, yeah. there was no actual readouts or anything like that. And then it worked until it didn't, is kind of what I say, is because then uh, the day after my 12th birthday, my father passed away very, very suddenly. It was literally like one week he was there and the next week he was gone. He had a massive heart attack, quadruple mm. bypass surgery, oh, didn't make it out of the surgery. So it was literally just like boom, boom, boom. And it happened so fast. And, you know, being just turning 12, having diabetes, obviously puberty, like mad, crazy hormones, you mm -hmm. know, going through your body. It was just like this maelstrom of bad stuff that led to, you know, by the time I was 14, I was over 200 pounds. I was clinically depressed on antidepressants and all of that was fueled by my newfound binge eating addiction that I both went to for comfort, but also made me extraordinarily uncomfortable. Now mm -hmm. that if I think about it psychologically now, you know, as an adult and having studied human psychology the way that I have. Uh, but no, that was, that was what I did. You know, I, my mom had to work full time, make sure we had health insurance. So I took the bus home from school and I would stop home every single day and get whatever I wanted. You know, junk food is super cheap. I had an allowance, you know, I was mature and, um, I, I would eat until my mom got home from work and then I would yeah. hide all the food under my bed until she went to bed later on that night and I would just mm. binge eat and my diabetes was out of control. Blood sugar is just through the roof. My A1C probably was an average between 12 and 14 from the time I was 14 years old until probably 18 or 19 until I really started kind of growing up, so to speak, mm. and realizing that it were my, it was my choices that was shaping my reality. Cause I, up until that point had blamed diabetes. I was like, diabetes is right. the reason why all of this is wrong with me. Diabetes is why I'm obese. Diabetes is why I'm, you know, eating all this food and everything's wrong with my life. But mm. I finally figured out just through my own kind of personal development processes that it wasn't diabetes that was a problem. It was my choices around what I had available to me to take care of myself that was the problem and that I was going to change that. Did you come to that resolution on your own or were you, if you don't want me asking, like in therapy or some type of counseling? Well, I mean, yeah, mostly on my own. I mean, I'll be the first one to say, I mean, throughout my tumultuous teenage years, I saw many therapists, counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists. I'm totally um, all for having that type of mental health support if you're finding someone who you feel is helping you. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that throughout, I, I always kind of credit my dad for the reason I was able to figure this out is because when I was in first grade and I came home with my first report card, he gave me $5 for every A that I had and no money or any other prize for anything else. So from the age of six years old on, I mean, I, from six years old on, I equated 
being smart with being lucrative. Woo! So I, that was a very valuable lesson to me. So I, by the time, you know, I was always a straight A student. And one thing I knew about myself was that I was smart. I mean, not, you know, not egotistically. I was just like, I know I can depend on my brain. I know I can learn things. I know I can apply it. I, I've done it in school. So I really said, I'm going to learn my way out of this. I, I went to school, went to college for nutrition science, and later on went to personal training school in a 500 hour, six month program. And all of this was for me. I mean, I would say this to myself, like, diabetes dominator coaching, what I do now, is like, that was and is a labor of love built out of a desperate need to change my own life. Mm. And having finally done that after many years of trial, error, you know, moving forward, stepping backward, I, I realized that all the knowledge and the systems and the things that I had learned I could put together and help other people because I'm a very science-based person. I'm a very systems-based person. I want to, everything I do, I want to document it and make sure it's repeatable. Um, that's right. just naturally how I am. Um, so I, that is what I do now because I must. I just, I feel like I just can't, there's nothing else that I could possibly do with my life and be fulfilled. So you know, hearing your story, uh, Danielle, I, I think to uh, that teenage population, girls, guys in that burnout zone, um, you know, that are living in kind of this like helpless reactionary mode to mm -hmm. what type 1 diabetes brings about on a daily basis and like how that person ends up having their own light bulb go off. And it sounds like for you, it was like a, a period of years where things developed for you or, or was it a light bulb moment? And I'm guessing I'm asking, do you have any advice for those kids who are in that window you were in and, and how does it get better? Yeah, I mean, I would say it was a combination. I, I think there was a light bulb moment, but it was probably, you know, like almost like a dimmer switch moment where <laughs> it kept getting like a little bit brighter and brighter and brighter until there was really a point where I was standing in front of a mirror, I think trying on some dress or something for some, you know, whether it was a prom or honestly, I don't really know, but I was probably about 18 and I just looked at myself and I just was just like, that is not me. Like I was looking in the mirror and looking at the person looking back at me and did not feel oh, like man. I knew who that person was. I'm like, I know that that is not me. And it was just like, okay, you have to do something to change it. Cause the outside of me did not mm -hmm. feel like I felt like I was reflecting who I really was. Um, and so for me, probably the biggest thing that I would say is to take a step back and think about the meaning that you have assigned to what living with type one diabetes means. Because the thing is, is that the meaning most people are carrying around about it is the one that their doctor gave them mm -hmm. in the original diagnosis story. And unless, and for me, you know, the diabetes online community wasn't a thing. I didn't even have the internet until I was like 16. You know what I mean? So like, um, so I, there was no support groups. I didn't know, I didn't go to camp. I was super introverted. I didn't have that, um, that support system. So unless you, like we have now where people are going out on their own and finding, you know, maybe even they get that doom and gloom from their doctor, but then they go out and find other people who are like, no, that's not the case. Um, I would just say like as an exercise, do yourself a, a favor. It's a gift of self love really to say, here's what diabetes means to me right now. This is what it means to my life. This is what I believe about it. And then really examine where those beliefs came from. And then I would even take it a step further and go online and then prove all of them wrong if they're negative <laughs> yeah. because you can. You can now. Like it's just mm. so much so more convenient. True. Yeah. Mm. So like give yourself the gift of personal 
development. I mean that like, because nobody else can develop you as a person except you. And, and the more you tell, I, uh, you know, I always had this, these ideas about spirituality. I mean, I was an atheist for most of my life until probably about eight, nine years ago until I really just started understanding that it's just like, uh, anytime anybody would say anything about meditation or something, like that's just all this woo woo nonsense, this, that, and the other thing. But, um, what it was, was a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. for me, not wanting to examine what was happening inside of me. And until each person is willing to do that, the circumstances that you live in are going to remain the same. And so that would be an exercise. I mean, take it, take a pen and paper, or if you don't want anyone to find it, just speak it into your notes in your phone mm-hmm. and lock your phone with a password. It doesn't, it's not uh, for anyone else. It. It's for you. This is for you. It's not for your mom or your, your doctor, or you don't even have to tell them you're doing it. it do this for yourself. Well, and, and I think and, that one of the things I really like about, and you know, Ryan and I have talked about this on many podcasts is the whole body. I mean, it really is when you really look at yourself, the spirituality, the meditation, the, um, how you view the world and how your compassion for other people. And it's very clear that your intention is to help other people because you've lived through it and come out the other side with a positive attitude. And I, I just, I'm so happy for the diabetes online community because a, a lot of people are not that strong of a character. You know what I mean? Yes. But I think that people, I think, and I know that this is, you know, we're getting a little kind of out there, but I think that people all have the capacity to be that mm-hmm. strong of character, but I wasn't this strong of character until I decided what my character was. Uh, yeah. Nobody takes the time to decide what their character <laughs> is. What are your values? What are your motivations? What means something to you? Mm-hmm. Like most people don't actually, and it's like, this should be taught in school. This and what macronutrients yeah. are and how to balance a checkbook and what credit scores are. <laughs> These are like Preach. classes that should be like Preach. actual yes. things that people need to know so they can be functional <laughs> members of society. I've never looked at I've never looked at algebra two ever again. Like I don't know that was a waste of my time. But my point is, is that like I I think people have the capacity to be and that's why I love people. Even people who other people see like as unlovable or, you know, deplorable or things it's like no it may be that they have done things that are terrible but I also believe that if decided to go down a different path and directed down it they could be of a different character because I've seen it happen so many times I've just um that I have to believe that almost all people have that capability if they're willing to explore it (laughs) I agree and whatever that narrative is that you share like with yourself and your own brain about what type one diabetes is or what your own capabilities are. That's the best part of the diabetes online community is that you see people doing crazy stuff Mm -hmm. all the time with type one. And it forces you to confront all those preconceived notions Mm -hmm. about what's possible. And it just, it expands it naturally without even having to go way deep because you're forced on the surface. Like all these people on Instagram doing marathons and jumping mm-hmm. out of planes and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's very it's it's an inspiring time but there's still so much inner work that has to be done i agree uh, yeah. and i love the dive on my community i mean i'm sure you know just for all the stuff i do there it's like i always tell people i do it for the community for myself like yeah. i do all these interviews and i do all these things it's like do you have any idea how much learning and growth I get from interacting with other people in the diabetes online community? There's just so, I mean, and even if it's not something like an ultra marathon, like these amazing people out there are like making or setting a powerlifting record. It's just for me, the first time I ever aspired to have an A1C in the fives was when I just kept seeing people who I respected and that I knew them personally. And I'm like, 
whoa, like they're doing this and I could do that too. Like I didn't even consider it Mm -hmm. as a possibility until I kept seeing other people doing it. And I'm like, no, you know what? I just, I'm an experimental person. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do an experiment and I'm going to see if I, and I did. And it was only because I kept seeing people in the diabetes online community doing it. So I think the exposure too now, I mean, like the only reason I tapped into Dexcom was after watching Ryan be able to watch his sugars after eating like a bowl of granola and I'm like wow so Mm -hmm. you can figure out what to do here I had lived blindly purposefully Mm -hmm. because I was fearful and just didn't want to jump into it and I think that and the kids I mean all the kids at camp that I've witnessed and that had you know the pod or the pump or whatever and I'm like oh my gosh like what am I afraid of if they can do it I sure as hell can and so I think that we all in our own way hopefully inspire others to or we look deep into ourselves and say what am I afraid of you know Um, yeah it's and I'm glad that technology is out there now for people to be able to tap into that at any age. So I agree. And I agree with what you said about everybody inspiring other people. It's like, that's what I try to get people to do, you know, whether they go through a coaching program or a YouTube video. I'm like always trying to encourage people to share their story because I think that's one of the biggest ways to explore your mm-hmm. own feelings and, and meanings is to share what you've experienced out loud because once you share it out loud, you sometimes yeah. realize things yeah. about what you were saying that like could give you a different perspective, even though you thought it in your head a hundred times, once you say it out loud. And then when you say it out loud, someone else is like, Oh my God, that's amazing. And you're like, it is because <laughs> <laughs> <Right. laughs> you don't see what it is as amazing, but someone else always does I don't care who you are or what you've been through it doesn't even have to be diabetes related and that's why I think people like think that they are not special Mm -hmm. and I'm not like the type of person that's like oh like let's give everyone a trophy for playing soccer but I am the person that's saying let's give everyone a trophy for being a human being Mm -hmm. and like if you're gonna try to give your all like I just I just think it's it's a it's a hard job it is it is a hard job and if you don't explore it and you just like go with the current that's, I think, when it becomes really painful and fearful. Well, and I think, too, people with chronic illness or whatnot, um, sometimes you live within your head and you don't realize that the the hate, the anger, or whatever is going on is because of the disease, because you don't tie the two together. It sometimes takes you, like you were saying, sharing your story, speaking to someone else about it, that it's like, oh, wait a minute. I've lived this way or thought this way because this is what's been going on in my head. And... Mm-hmm what a difference it can make when you do share a story. My parents have said recently that um, what a kinder person I have been in the past four years after starting the Diabetes Daily Grind because I lived with such anger and they had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing what sharing your story can do. It can definitely change your your life and change other people's lives. So, yeah, I always just encourage people to say their truth, whatever it is. Don't be ashamed. You know, as long as you're not hurting anyone else, I really have no problem with it. I don't care what you do. I mean, that's how, kind of how I say I'm a laid back person. It's like <laughs> literally if you are if everybody involved is consenting and no one's getting hurt, I truly do not care what you're doing. <laughs> like I just don't. If, if, if it's bringing you joy and if it's making you happy, then I just think people have so many hang ups about correctness. And oh, will, no what, do other, what do other people think about this? I don't care. And I don't say that flippantly. I just say, as long as I know I'm coming from love and I'm coming from a place of respect and I will never like do anything out of spite or anything like that. As long as I'm coming from the right motivations, I just, if you have a problem with that, I'm 100% positive. It's because it's you. something going on inside of you. Yeah, uh, that's a not, good point. not because I'm out here, you know, doing something that you find deplorable or whatever it is. Like, you know, I don't even know things like nudity or sex. Like these are things that I talk about all the time. It's just because 
these things, in my opinion, shouldn't be shameful or people shouldn't be made feel bad just to like want to have a conversation about their bodies. And I Mm -hmm. think that we as a society, we shame it. And then then you add that on top of having a chronic disease. And I have these pods and things hanging off. And now I can't, you know, I'm so ashamed of my body. It's like, no, let's talk about this. (laughs) Yeah, it's there's this growing, I think, vulnerability uh, that's I mean, I think some of it comes from Brene Brown's work. Yeah. Um, yep. And then uh, just this, uh, this everybody kind of taking off the mask that you currently wear. Um, and, and that just totally exists inside the type one world. Um, and, and I'm trying to think of the best way for somebody who's, you know, never gone down into the demons. You know, maybe they've had diabetes for like 20 years and they're hearing this conversation. They're like, well, how do I even begin to share my story? It's like, I'm wondering, how do we unpack that and give them an outlet not they don't have to start a blog or start a podcast but it's like what are some baby steps no i mean that's i think that's an awesome question because i'm all about action i'm all about let's talk about these things but let's put let's put action behind them and for me one of the biggest game changers in my life as far as self-care speaking of Brene brown self-love pouring you know you're filling your cup all of these things is journaling and i Mm -hmm. find that as someone who coaches other people on mindset and health and all these other things is that it seems like the simplest thing in the world, but I find uh, I found over the years that people have several hangups. So I, I say this to, to people who are wanting to express their story. Maybe you want to say it to someone else, but first you need to say it to yourself. You need to put it down on a, not just rolling around in your head, but you need to put it on a piece of paper. So you get yourself a journal. And maybe the first time you open the journal, you like for me, it's like sometimes I'm like, uh, I just woke up, I'm having a cup of coffee, I'm going to Zumba in <laughs> right. an hour. Sometimes nothing <laughs> profound is coming out, but the thing, but there's nothing. The thing is, is that it's what you're doing is you're. I call it a brain dump. And I think that's easier for people to kind of grasp because we all have all these like endless thoughts running around in our head. And when we empty them out onto a piece of paper, it creates this space in there for growth or other things, you know, exploration and all these other things. So it's like, get yourself, if you have the intention of sharing your story or you just want to intend to share it with yourself so you can get more clarity or a different perspective or whatever it is, get that journal and write it down. Forget about grammar, forget about punctuation, forget about spelling, no editing, about all, <laughs> any and all parameters that you are making up in your mind about why you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And let me be clear because nobody else is going to make up any parameters about your journaling practice, except you. There's no length of time that it needs to be done for. There's no amount of pages it needs to be done to be right or correct or to mean something or to matter. Just write stuff down until nothing comes out. And if the only thing that comes out is I'm thirsty, great. Then go get a drink of water and come back until something else comes out. Like that's my point is just like stop, just get it out and stop putting these stops on yourself about why you can't express mm-hmm. yourself because that that's what I always find from people. They're like, well, I only did it for, for five minutes and I don't think that counted. And I'm like, well, it didn't if you don't think it did. But it did, right. let me tell you, because you did it. <laughs> so, yeah, you just Step have one. to get over it yeah. and oh, share. I'm, I'm not very good at journaling. It's like, well. <laughs> that's your judgment. Who's, yeah. yeah it's like, Who's reading this? You know, there's not, yeah, a, there's not like New Yorker magazine reading your, <laughs> yeah, your journal articles, said, you know. Exactly. And so it's just, then, and that's funny that you say that because I have had someone say that. I'm like, okay, can you please make me a list of the things <laughs> that make up a good journaler so that I know what they are and so that we can make you work towards that? Like, uh, I love it. That's with, great. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I roll. I will, we will figure this out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. Speaking of writing, let's get, let's talk a little bit about, um, the book that you already have out there, and then okay. Word on the Street, you and her husband are 
in the process of writing a second. Yes, this is correct. Word on the street. Yes. No. So I mean, so 2015, I wrote my first book uh, called Unleash Your Inner Diabetes Dominator. Um, And it's essentially how to heal your relationship with your diabetes through the powers of choice, community and self love. And it's really what uh, my husband refers to as my tome. I mean, it's really kind of like the, it's everything that I've learned up until then, up until Mm -hmm. 2015, um, and including the system that I teach people on how to build foundational healthy habits in a sustainable, low, steady way uh, that works for each person. So it's not only just a regular book, but it's kind of like a workbook. It is long. I always tell people that. I always tell people <laughs> like anything. It's like go through it and pick the areas because I have six pillars to total health. Go in and pick one pillar. Just read that section and just do the activities in that section. Mm-hmm. And don't pressure yourself to do anything else. Is that, um, you know, that's kind of what I that was the book I needed to get out because that's what I do with my coaching. Um, and I wanted everyone to have access to it. Even if they can't go through an eight or 12 week, you know, intensive program with me, you can read that book. I can't, I mean, I just, I can't even tell you how many people have written to me saying just reading that book has allowed them to see things in a way that they did not see things mm-hmm. before. And just that new awareness has, has changed their lives. So that makes me feel incredibly fulfilled. And, uh, I said after I wrote that book that I probably wasn't going to write another book because it wasn't, I mean, to say blood, blood, sweat, and tears, (laughs) that is labor intensive. I'm sure that is what it consisted of. And, um, but it was good for me, obviously it was a growing experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and for, for what's coming up next is, so my husband and I, we do pretty much everything together. He's, we're business partners. I mean, he has what we refer to as a regular job. Um, <laughs> he works for the department of defense. He is, a, has a top secret security clearance and does, you know, cybersecurity for the military and things like that. So I always say I lucked into marrying the best tech guy ever. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Bonus. So, but he also, I mean, uh, probably one of the many reasons we are very good together and that we work really well together is that he also had a very, trying upbringing in that he was committed to a mental institution for three years for a crime he did not commit from the ages of eight to 11 years old. So for me, yeah, so for I, I'm gonna just, you know, you can go to BillHarganRader.com if you want to, he has done a TEDx talk on it. He's spoken on stages Mm. about it. He's turned that from an extraordinarily dark and painful experience into taking that to help other people get through their darkest and most horrible experiences. So we decided to write a shorter book, uh, basically just filled with specific lessons on love, forgiveness, and perseverance. The book is called Love, Forgive, Never Give Up. There's Mm -hmm. going to be very short chapters with stories and lessons and how we each individually were able to use these three things that we think are the most powerful things, which are love, forgiveness, and never giving up. I would add gratitude in there as well, but there was no more room in the title. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and how how we use those those powers to not only heal heal ourselves, but heal our families and, and help facilitate the healing of other people through our own healing. Mm. Um, and we're just and we're actually in the process right now of finishing it and man it's like going it's like it is it's really like a personal develop seminar and he's a best-selling author in the sci-fi space and fiction and sci-fi he's an incredible writer he's really is i mean that's why i say people think i do a lot it's, it's he, he's, he's like he's like my project manager um and and so we're coming together for the first time to write something together but also he's coming out for the first time writing 
not writing nonfiction and writing about this experience. And um, so it's very, uh, it's a really amazing experience so far. And we fully expect to have it published, self-published by Christmas. <laughs> so um, oh, wow. I don't know when this will air, but hopefully by that, I mean, we're not making 100% guarantees, but Kickstarter people are expecting it and we do not like to make people wait. <laughs> so we are going to do our best to make this happen by I, Christmas. I love it, Danielle. I mean, you guys have so much writing energy going on in when that you, house. Yeah, when you <laughs> sleep. My God. I mean, I've, I've been off. I've been off for two years. I mean, I obviously I write blogs and stuff, but I haven't really delved into a book for a couple of years. So I've had a I've had a nice little hiatus. He on the other, I mean, writing. He on the other hand writes fiction, but it's a lot different. It's a lot different to write fiction about Mars than to write about mm. actually reliving being in you know a padded cell with someone that was in there, your roommate, for trying to kill their mother, and you did nothing, mm. <laughs> and you're just trying to survive. Wow, so, just survive. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna He's, find that that TEDx yeah. video. And link it up yeah, in the show notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. please do. Absolutely. Along yeah. with the book information and the Kickstarter. Yeah, um, everything will be, yeah. And we're hoping to release release this sooner than later. So we'll be sure to let you know, too, before we do. Awesome. Uh, I've got a question good. for you, Danielle, in regards yeah. to your, your coaching practice. Um, with you having, one, type 1 diabetes, two, um, having, you know, um, you know, a lot of expertise in personal training, and then also being... Um, a nutritional science major, and you you often talk about the emotional side and the mental aspect of the disease. Do you feel like that's a balance that people really enjoy having in a coach? Yes, I do. And I and for me, it, it was, a, I guess, an interesting progression because I got my degree in nutrition science and I didn't really have any intentions on like being a dietitian or hmm. being a registered dietitian or anything like that. It was really so that I could understand food better and then went to personal training school and then came out of that and everybody was like, oh, well, you're now you're a personal trainer and you have the nutrition background. You're like this. And I, I never really put thought anything about it again because I wasn't doing it for a career move. I, I It just wasn't what I was thinking about back then. Right. Um, but and then having gone through at this point more than 1000 hours of personal or human psychology training on top of that. For me, I think it's um, people love it as, as me being their coach because there's not I, I don't know. I never really thought about it. I'm kind of like a one stop shop. Like I will tell you I, and I can only tell. And that's what I always tell people, like kind of not to get too philosophical is like I'm not going to tell you how to be the best you. I'm going to point in the direction that you need to walk in to be the best you and I'll hold your hand while you're walking. But I can't do anything except tell you where I've been and tell you the steps that will help you find that. So I think, and that's the other thing about my coaching is that when I was first starting out, I think like anyone, it's like, you know, you're trying to find yourself and figure out your best way to help people. At this point, it's just like people come to me when they're extraordinarily ready to change. A lot of times people have already taken themselves to a certain point they've done, whether they've lost a lot of weight or they've really improved their A1C or they have uh, come really far in their health management and they've learned a lot, but they're just kind of at this place where they know there's more, but they're not sure how to get to it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of where I take people um, is over that next edge to that next level, whatever that is for them. Because that's always, I, I really, what I teach, and I know it sounds again, woo woo, but I teach intuition. I teach people how to trust their gut. I teach people how to understand that the feelings that they're having inside are not to be ignored mm-hmm. um, and, and that they're probably almost always the right answer. And we've just been taught to pretend that 
Mm. all of these feelings, whether about nutrition or whether they're about our fitness or whether they're about our mindset. And um, we might have these ideas and we're like, oh, well, society says that's stupid. So that must be stupid. Uh, <laughs> I think people to stop caring about what society says yeah. <laughs> and listen to themselves. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Just for like it. future peace of mind for you, you, you're speaking with a couple of people who are very woo woo-y. <laughs> good, good, yeah. good, good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> we try to rein it back every once in a while, but the woo-woo always comes out. So. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> and I have to say too, just, and I, and I don't mean to bring this back to me, but I, but no. the personal trainer side of things is because I just started working with a personal trainer uh, a couple months ago. And again, I had no idea because I've always done cardio. I've never done weightlifting. Well, since I was in high school, long time ago and the effects that it has on my blood sugar now, like, and with the Dexcom being able to watch it spike mm-hmm. at certain points. And then I know the second that I wrap up X, Y, and Z, it's going to dip out. And man, I, like you were talking about the education and what you could teach people at a younger age. If everybody had that type of experience younger then I think they'd be a lot more confident, you know, throughout their life doing whatever it is physically, you know what I mean? Yeah, like I, I totally do. I absolutely do. I mean, that was for me, if the physical transformation was, I mean, obviously the mental one was huge, but the physical one was also gigantic because I mean, even my mom, who's, you know, she's part of our team here. She does a lot of help with us like events and bringing things together. Mm-hmm. She's just an amazing person, but she'll, she always, as I was a you know teenager and a child, she was always active. Like, not like she was like running marathons, but she was always going for walks. We always lived near woods and like parks and things like that. And she'd always be trying to get me to like go for a walk. I literally would not even go for a walk with her. So for me to be, you know, at this point saying I'm an athlete and I don't care about, you know, I'll do any physical fitness thing. I'll try anything once. I don't feel any, you know, worry about whether or not I just had the idea before in my mind that I wasn't athletic, whatever that is like, okay, uh, no, I made that story up and I lived in that story for a long time. But like you said, it was a progression. Like I always talk about when I was 19, I was dating a guy who was a roller hockey goalie and he bought me a pair of rollerblades one time and he's like, let's just go rollerblading. He's like, I'll help you because I always said I wanted to try stuff, but I was like always too embarrassed and I wasn't trying like he Mm. just him taking me and us being just by ourselves. And I knew there was no judgment. Like I got up on rollerblades and I was not only did I get up on rollerblades, I was like skating around a rink and holding a hockey stick. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I just like, it's just, just doing it. Like you said, or just lifting weights or just seeing that progression, just doing it a couple times. And then you're like, what else can I do? It, oh, it is. Yeah. It's like an upward spiral versus like a downward spiral. Hopefully. It really is. Hopefully. You have to Ryan, give yourself you, the- don't you rollerblade? I do not currently rollerblade, but <laughs> I do ripstick, longboard, and um, any other activity that involves moving. But I'm, I might be inspired to pick up some blades and hit it in the spring. Uh, I haven't done it in so long. I'm definitely sitting in my garage now. It's been a long time since I was 19. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, oh. I, let me say, I got to say one funny thing. Like, street hockey is amazing. I love day. skating, yeah. I, but the rollerblades, the, the, I couldn't, uh, the, I could. But there, it's way more difficult than the four wheels, like in a square. That's what I thought. That's what I thought too. <laughs> that that I totally swear. dates me, but um, yeah. It's not a could. It's a win. We're all going to have to send each other pictures of each other, like um, on ro- rollerblading. Yeah, we need to have a diabetes roller skating party. <laughs> oh Lord, do not pitch that because I feel it coming down the pipeline. Let's bring it to Philly. Let's go. Oh. Oh man. Especially for people in our age range, although I think oh, Ryan's probably younger than he me is. and us. But yeah. like where I don't know if Amber, when you were younger, like roller skating rinks, like you that's where you'd go to hang out. Oh like, 
on the weekend. Dude, I had custom wheels and everything. <laughs> we're, we're old. Awesome. Yeah. I can specifically remember going to the roller skating rink, falling and landing on my pump oh. in the pocket. Yeah, oh, no. left a good Never, bruise. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Never thought about that. Yeah, might have saved my hip, but. Oh, good. Let me ask you too, because I brought this up earlier to Ryan, because I just switched my sensor out and to the other arm. Do you sleep on your pod? Do I or, well, yeah, do you, I do sleep. No. <laughs> I mean, do you lay on it? Yeah, I do. Doesn't bother I do you all the time? No, and huh. on my Dexcom, and I thought it would, and and honestly, there are different spots where it is more noticeable because I rotate my Omnipod. I have like a, a I guess, a square rotation where I go from left hip to right hip to left thigh to right thigh. Mm. And I just do it in that kind of square just so I'm always leaving time for each one yeah. to heal in between. Nice. But although I love the absorption I get on my thighs, and it's usually it's more mm. like towards my outer upper thigh, mm. I, absorption, amazing. But it is sometimes like when I'm sleeping on us on one on that side it, i do feel it and i'll end up just shifting to the other mm-hmm. side but it's not enough to make me stop using it there but if i have it on my hip it's like i i could do anything and i almost never notice it where do you keep your dexcom what's your arm arms are my go-to me too. I, I wore it on my hip for a while for a long time but then once i switched to arms i never never went back yeah i've oh. it's on so much of the social media is like i'm on every freaking Oh, Facebook group and whatever. And the questions about where you can put your pod, can you put it on your boob, you know? And I mean, it's just, I'm glad that it's out there because can you? you can't, I mean, well, is- yeah, here's the thing about that. And I, I know, and that's the thing. And I'm the first person that'll study to each his own. And I support anybody who finds something that works for them, except I, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not a medical doctor. However, I do study a lot of anatomy and physiology and cellular level mm-hmm. functionality and, there are a lot of sensitive ducts and glands in our right. breasts, and oh, I, yeah. although they are fatty and they are absorb, the insulin does absorb. I personally would not put it there just for the concern of all of the other stuff that's going on inside of, that's of a good your point. breast. That like I just, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not going to tell people not to do it. I just not going, I'm not going to recommend it personally, just because mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff going on in in our boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll we'll hold until there's more evidence that yeah, supports exactly. that practice. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Let me ask you one other question. So this is something that I've seen in one of our friends and I won't out her, but had I remember her saying that there are certain times where insulin is like water and that it, her body just doesn't react to it and I thought that you know, that just sounds crazy. I just I've never experienced that and it couldn't relate at all. I would say the only time that I've actually never experienced it, but I would say the only time that would, for me would be, was if the insulin was bad. I mean, I, I, and then these are, again, these are like these kind of touchy areas Mm -hmm. where, you know, different people have their different opinions and I'm of the mindset of respecting everyone's opinion. Um, but my opinion is that, and, and again, I'll probably get roasted for this, but it is what it is, is that brittle diabetes is not a thing. Right. Uh, I mean, I just, people tell me, oh, I, I know somebody who has this it's really severe diabetes. It's like, no, diabetes does not have severity levels. I mean, there can be other dysfunctions going on inside the human body in tandem with the diabetes mm-hmm. that are then exacerbating insulin sensitivity. And that could be many things. It could be thyroid. It could be any other endocrine system, pituitary. Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be so many other things going on. So until all of that is like eliminated and, and things like that, it's like, I don't, I, I'm not sure I can't say what somebody else's experience is, mm-hmm. but in, in general, 
Um, I would say if, if you're pumping yourself full of insulin and nothing is happening, um, and you've already explored that the insulin is fresh and mm-hmm. you've changed vials and you've changed pump sites, it's like you probably want to get like a full metabolic, a full thyroid panel. This is a whole other story. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the medical, I mean, I've just, just had a doctor's appointment and I went to with my mom because I'm her advocate, even though she's completely capable, but she had some weird test result and she asked me to come to the doctor because they only ran a partial thyroid panel. And I worked with, I've worked with so many clients over the past years that have had in tandem with diabetes, thyroid issues and mm-hmm. traditional medical practices do not run full thyroid panels. They do not run yeah. them. Even if, even if they suspect that something's wrong, you know, they'll just run TSH and T4 or free T4, which is, I'm not trying to get too technical, but there's T3, there's free T3, there's serum T3. And if any one of these aspects is off track, that could be causing many other issues with your diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, in t- and, and my mom's, primary care physician said, and she's very open-minded. She's a, probably like a, maybe a 40 year old South Korean woman, super awesome. Like just was just like, look, I'll be straight up with you. We're, we don't run these tests because I don't know how to interpret them. And Mm. we're not taught in traditional medical practices to run that full panel. And she hand entered all of those other tests to have run for my mom and said, I will give you these results to you to do with what you think. And then Mm. I will give my mom the guidance that she needs on that. But um, I would say the whole point is, you know, get your thyroid checked. If you have any questions about it, email me. Um, if you have any questions about which tests you should be getting done, if you think there's something wrong with mm-hmm. your thyroid, you know, just please feel free to email me. I'll just shoot you a list of tests to request. But it's just like um, at this point in time is if you're injecting tons and tons of insulin and nothing's happening, I would say it may not be the diabetes. I'm not guaranteeing you that it's not. <laughs> it not Short disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a long-winded answer, but. Well, thank you for that. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There, there are so many players in that insulin resistance play, but if it's a long-term theme, it's probably something medical. Mm. Um, If it's a theme, if it's a temporary thing, sure. You could chalk it up to like increased resistance Mm -hmm. in one area you're overusing or um, increases or, you know, changes in diet, changes in exercise, hormones, hormones, um, getting sick. But yeah. Yep. Well, we know that you are, um, a very busy lady, so we don't want to take too much more of your time, but uh, Ryan's going to... Okay, last question, Dana. Oh, yeah, hit it. <laughs> I promised the last question. All right. That's so, okay. You guys um, are awesome. Please. So for, for anyone familiar like uh, with your Facebook page, Diabetes Dominator, uh, we all know that you love quotes. Yes. So <laughs> I've got to ask you... I do you, love quotes. If you had to have one quote put on your tombstone, mm. which quote is it? You've got a lot of great oh, quotes. God, that is a terrible question. You're so mean. <laughs> Why yes, are you mean is. to me? <laughs> this is what he does. I think that I mean I don't have children, but I would imagine that would be like asking who your favorite child was. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I would truly. Um, I would have to say that there are two, but I'm going to go with the one that came first, which is. It is in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. Mm. That is probably my most influential <laughs> quote. I do have that hanging up in my living room um, on a big poster, you know, one of those like, you know, m- motivational posters, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's probably it. But a really close second is change is the price of survival. Mm. And those are probably my two most uh, thought about in my own mind quotes. Oh, those are powerful. good. Yeah. I think that fits yep. the theme of the show. 
<laughs> yeah. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Danielle. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I really appreciate you guys being so easy to talk to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and I hope to see, we hope to see you at some point in person in the near future. Uh, what, are, are you headed out to any conferences or anything in the near future? Well, I don't, the only thing I actually have fully booked already for 2018 is I will be speaking at Camp Najetta uh, for the third year in Stillwater, New Jersey. It's an adult uh, weekend boot camp for mm. adults with type 1 diabetes. Cool. Um, they do have like a weekend option or you can just come on Saturday. So I've done that for the past couple of years. That's um, 100% kind of already booked, but I'm kind of still, you know, I'm, I'm in talks to do a couple type one nation summits mm -hmm. in, in the New York area and different things like, so there are many things in the talks, um, but not, you know, nothing else that's uh, officially on the calendar yet, but I'm, you know me, I'm out and about. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stay away for too long. If you ever head South at any level, we will meet you somewhere or, or whatnot. And if I head North, I'd love to, Grab a cup of coffee or something. Oh, my God. If you guys are ever in Philadelphia or anywhere, even in the vicinity, please. Oh, please for sure. And I feel like <laughs> it's so sad that these days, anytime I travel, I reach out to the community. I'm like, what? I'm going to be in Houston. Who's around? Who's in town? Who, you know. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great little kind of side benefit. <laughs> you know, you can meet some cool people pretty much anywhere you go. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and if you ever break a vial of insulin. <laughs> You've got a friend. Yeah. Yep. Oh, gosh. Having those connections definitely helps. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Well, listen, thank you so much for being on the show and we wish you the best of luck with that second book. We know you'll, you're an overachiever and we'll get it out there before Christmas. So <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you bet. And we'll be sure to include everything in our show notes. So I really appreciate it guys. People. You guys are a great duo. Very much fun. Thank I'm you. Talking with you. <laughs> appreciate it, Daniel. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care guys. All right. Bye. Yes, I'm A little thing called diabetes It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind Grind and grind and grind and grind Didn't get this disease By eating too much candy Sugar, it ain't a pager, it's a pump But when I'm jonesing, it comes in handy Tell me, sugar mama, what's your A1C? Are you into endocrinology? Pricker is a pricker and the pumping is pumping Beats like Wilford Brimley keep coming, but Officer, I ain't been drinking. My blood sugar is low. Bolo some insulin to get it all in, you know. I'm counting carbs and my calories burning. Pricker to the finger to deliver the prick. Wake up tomorrow and it starts again, but. You know how the saying goes? No. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. It's been a while since we put one out. It has. It's been a while since we've had an iTunes review. Oh, yep, that too. Yeah, but that usually goes along with the show, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, yep. And today we have an extra special <laughs> review to read for you. Why? We are not. We do not discriminate on any reviews. This is. This we is appreciate them. Five stars. Name Floyd eighty. Okay, labeled great and informative. Okay, and it reads like this. Thank you for providing much-needed information about diabetes. Did he really listen to our podcast? <laughs> I don't think we provide anything other than just like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah. And maybe that's what you need. That's what you need. Or maybe he heard <clears throat> us begging for iTunes reviews. 
in the past. And he was like, if they're going to beg for iTunes reviews, this is the iTunes review they're getting. Well, let's just say this. Shoot us an email to info at diabetesdailygrind.com. Floyd 80. Give us a little bit of information as to where we can mail you a t-shirt. What size, if we have it, we'll do it. Um, we probably need to run another run of those. And uh, we appreciate you. And, you know, I just remembered the announcement number four that I forgot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is, yeah. uh, oh, now, dang it. I forgot again. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> If you knew where I worked, you'd understand why this happens. Oh, then oh you know where you maybe work. it's like if you want to share your story, you can, you know, shoot us an email. Oh, yeah. We're always down for mm-hmm. everybody's story is different and you never know who you can help. So you never know. <laughs> you just never know. I'm glad that came to you. Oh, thank you. goodness. I can sleep tonight. You can. It's out. <laughs> Very good. We're sharing your story. Just like Danielle talked about. Yeah. Sharing your story. Buy that journal. Get it started. Yeah. That, that is a 2018 resolution mm-hmm. for you for everybody yeah, already got throw one. it on the list <laughs> All right. actually you have to open it up and write in it whether or not you have it and use it is different so. you know, and even simpler is just opening up a word document on your computer and just typing into it if that's quicker for you if mm-hmm. computer's part of your daily flow you can just type into it and it's a journal and as soon as you're done you can just delete it if you want to or you can keep it whatever I don't know options options alright guys it was a great time always Big thanks to, to Danielle for joining us. We mm-hmm. can't wait to, to get with her in person, hopefully in Philadelphia at some point. Philly! Never been to Philly. Be a good yeah. time. Mm-mm. All right. That's it. To that. Cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. Cheers. A little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind. It's a daily grind. And a grind, a grind, a grind. You've got to watch what you're You gotta watch what you're eating What do you call it? What do you call it? Is it diabetes or diabetes? See, daily grind is grinding you down Always having to check To see if your level is up or down What'd you have for dinner? What'd you have for lunch? Did you have too many or not enough? Getting all of the levels to shoot up Shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up And I'm alive Yes, I'm alive One minor inconvenience A little thing called diabetes Daily grind, it's a daily grind, and it grinds and grinds and grinds and grinds, but I'm alive. Yes, I'm alive. One minor inconvenience, a little thing called diabetes. It's a daily grind, it's a daily grind, it's a daily grind, and it grinds and grinds and grinds.